Hello, and welcome to another episode of Agape Fellowship, where we learn from God's Word verse by verse. We are in Matthew 5 and have learned what it means to be the salt of the earth in the last episode. Jesus used ordinary salt to teach us to live by godly values. Let's listen in as we go further into the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket or a lampstand. But on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. In the Gospel of John, John 8, 14, 12 and 9, 5, he says, Jesus is the light of the world. He is now telling his followers, Jesus is now telling his followers, they are now the light of the world. Just like he's the light of the world, you are the light of the world. What an awesome privilege. What a great compliment. What a great responsibility. That which he is, he has made us that. The purpose, what's the purpose of being the light of the world? To illuminate. He lighted the fire in you and me. He has discipled us. And he's enlightened us with God's word. And now you are said, go and burn right for him. You are lighted for the purpose of shedding light into a dark world. Notice that he also said you are not becoming salt or that you are becoming light. It's very important for us to notice that. You, you're not, there is no state called becoming. The day that you become a believer, that day you've become salt. The day that you've believed and recognized that Jesus Christ is Lord and received him as your own Savior, that same day you've become light. There is no such thing called process of becoming a light. Yes, there is a process of being discipled into greater truths and knowledge and all of that, but your position is that you are a light from that very moment on. And your life from that moment on, your actions, your behaviors, your thoughts, your actions, everything about you reflects the salt and light in you or reflects the bitterness or the darkness in you from that moment on. He simply says that we are. We are either fulfilling his commandment or we are failing miserably in that responsibility. Salt is needed to avoid the world from rotting and decaying. But if our religion and our worship and our life is rotting and decaying, it's of no good. Likewise, 
in the case of light is needed for the for illuminating in the darkness but if our life imitates darkness then you might as well not be there to be effective we must seek and display that Christian distinctive and ethos and we cannot do it otherwise in the um, in the King James Version you will see the word peculiar people <laughs> have you noticed that peculiar people we are a peculiar people we are the oddballs <laughs> to the world we are the oddballs. The question is, do we want to be that? Let's read a couple of portions, shall we? Let someone pick up Exodus 19, 5 and 6. Another one pick up Titus 2, 11 to 14. Titus 2, 11 to 14. And someone else pick up 1 Peter. 2, 9 and 10. Let's start with Exodus. Now, I'm starting with the Old Testament because you're going to see the same theme. So don't think this is an Old Testament. Believe me, I think those of you that have been with me for a while, you, you know that for me, the old and the new, they just go together. Um, they, there is no, really, there is not a much, there's not really a difference because the theme is the same. So I wanted to go, start, start from Exodus. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. Okay. So, first of all, in, in the New King James Version, it's called special treasure. Lenore, what version are you reading? Um... New Revised Standard Version. NRSV. So in that, you're a special, you're a treasured people, right? Treasure, some, something Correct. like that. Okay. Treasured possession. Treasured possession. Okay, let's look at Titus next. Um, Titus 2, 11 to 14. Yes. Okay, I'm reading the NLT version. NLT, okay. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people. Totally committed to doing good deeds. So he's made us his very own people. That's NLT. Very own people. In King James, you will see you are a, he's, he's made us his peculiar possession. Okay. Uh, Anne, would you read First Peter? Yeah, First Peter 2. 9 and 10. 10. Correct. Yeah. This is NIV. Okay. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
Yes, thanks. Thanks, everybody. Notice that in all of them, he says you're a special people. You're a unique people, a prized possession, a treasure. Um, all of these in King James, it says this peculiar people. Why has he made us a peculiar people? God has made us a peculiar people for a special purpose. God had a special purpose for the nation of Israel. And he has the same special purpose for Gentiles who are coming to him now. The purpose hasn't changed. What is the purpose that he had for the Israelites and for us today? It's the same thing. It's to be a witness of him. Yes, but the, the word for holy uh, in both Hebrew and Greek means set apart for God's specific use. S special, yes. Special. And it's the implements of the, of the uh, temple were only used for the temple, only by the high priests and the ones doing the sacrifices. Um, so where to be holy as, as Christ is holy, he says, and we're set apart, we're peculiar, peculiar, peculiar from the word, from the world. Correct. And we're set apart for his, his special purposes. Yes. His own purpose. Yeah. Correct. So. So if God is the means to your end, even if it is to a good end, your intentions which are hidden will be exposed. If God is the end of your means, then you're serving the Lord according to his good pleasure. But understand that we've been set apart. We are a special people, and we've, given, we've been given this light. We've been, we've been made the salt. We've been made the light, just like he is the light for this specific purpose. We often assume that these qualities can be developed or can be displayed in isolation from the world. First of all, I mentioned to you earlier, it is not developed. It is God is giving you that position. You are becoming salt. You are, you, I'm sorry, you're not becoming salt. You are salt. You are light. Number one. Number two, Jesus wants us to live them out in this world. In Mark 8, 38, he says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Brothers and sisters, whether there is persecution, whether you're being put down, whatever the case may be, you cannot leave your post. You cannot be AWOL in this battle. You are called and if you are coming into the kingdom because you want to achieve some other objective, and this is what I said earlier, if those are objectives that you have and coming into the kingdom actually serves your purpose, you will be found out. You will be exposed. God will expose you. And your true intentions will be made clear. Take, for example, there were 12 disciples, but there was one guy in the crowd who wanted this. He was in it for some other purpose. He got exposed. You know who I'm talking about. 
likewise, we ought to be warned. And look, while we can talk about the kingdom and the goodness and all of that, we also, when we give the good news of God's salvation and everything else, we have to understand clearly that this is not an exit plan. It's not an exit plan. It's not a way out of something, but it's a, it's a way into his kingdom. And only those that want to be part of the kingdom should you invite in. Don't, don't you know, there are, don't make it a marketing, Madison Avenue marketing strategy. Oh, tomorrow is going to be a great day. And you know what happens as a result when they come into the kingdom? They're disappointed. They think, oh, you know what? I wanted to come into the kingdom because if I came into the kingdom, then I'm going to get what I want. But God's not calling us for that. He's, he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you agape me more than these? Why Peter had gone back into fishing. So we've got to be clear that coming in with an intention that's wrong, we will not prosper in the kingdom. And God's expectations are for us to be salt and light. It's a high demand. It's a high call, as Mr. Steve just mentioned. You've been made into the special implement, a special people set apart for his purpose. Come into the kingdom if you want to serve the Lord in that capacity. I want to close this section by reading from Revelations chapter 2, 1 to 5. Can someone read that? It's a warning to the church. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things say, He who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this among you, against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Very good. Thank you, Ashish. Notice a few things. Jesus was warning the Ephesian church who have backslidden from their first love. He's calling them to repent. Or else, notice what he says. That he would take away their lampstand. That they would no longer be the light on that hill. That is a gift given to the believer. Backslidden church, a warning to the backslidden. Repent, or he will take away the lampstand. Church does not mean the building. You know that. Church does not mean denomination. Church is you and me. Is church means it, it's the Greek word for ecclesia. There's another word. The, English, the, the Greek word is ecclesia. Called out of, set apart people. 
So he's calling the set apart people, those people that have been set apart, that have set themselves apart for God's purposes. And he's calling them and saying, hey, I know your first works. I know where you're at now. You've lost your first love. Repent. Or I'm taking off your lampstand. It's to the body of believers he's calling them. To those that are in that state of backslidden state, repent and turn, or you will lose your lampstand. Let your light so shine before men that they may see God, your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The singular purpose of God's light in us. Notice what he says. There's only one purpose for the light that is in you. Is to glorify God. If someone sees your works and commends your spectacular genius, you've gained nothing. Just temporary fame for yourself. So anytime someone, oh, you know, that was a fantastic show. Oh, beautiful. Whoa, whoa, that's all good. But you got your reward already. So don't go double dipping with God to say, God, I did this. You got your reward already. But that is, oh, that fantastic show. You put on a great show. But if they saw your work and they praised God and said, God, thank you for that. You know, that was such a blessing for me. And, you know, they glorified God for having made that provision. Then you've done the right work. Then you've let your light so shine before men. They saw your works and they didn't come and say, hey, you did a, such a great job. He, they may say it, but they're glorifying God as well and saying, thank God. Thank you, God, for that person, because that person made an impact on my life. I want us to read two, actually, uh, let's see, yeah, two portions. Uh, one is from the life of Paul, another one is from the life of Jesus. So let's take Galatians 1, 8 to 24. I'm sorry, 18 to 24. Galatians 1, 18 to 24. And someone else can take Mark 2, 8 to 12. Then there were three years. I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Later I went to Syria and Cilicia and I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea and that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy and they praised God because of me. Notice that that's the portion I wanted. Verse 24, they glorified God on account of me. That's glorifying God. Let your light so shine. Paul was a new believer at this point. Brand new believer. And notice, 
that when they saw this man who was a previous persecutor now preaching God's word, they glorified God. There was someone going to say something? Yeah, yeah let's to pick up Mark 2, 8 to 12. I got it, Arnel. Okay, go ahead, Len. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go your way to your house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Notice, isn't that beautiful? They glorified God. Here was Jesus who was the one who did it, and they, they're not sure. I mean, they, Jesus is just coming to into his ministry. This is early in his ministry. They can they cannot make head or tail of who this man is. Who is this person? But when they saw the good work, they immediately, naturally, glorified God. As we work in his ministry, as we do his work. Let us not look for our own validations or attaboys or, you know, let's not look for any of that. Let's not worry even if we don't get one single word of encouragement. If you believe that God has called you into that and God has given you a specific skill and a gift, keep doing it. Don't worry. Don't worry if the entire world does not recognize you and you finish your life and you go home to the Father with not a single word of recognition from anybody. Does, you are still all complete. You're going to get your rewards in heaven. But don't look for the adorations or adulations of human beings because they're temporary. They'll give you good words today and tomorrow with that same mouth, they will curse you out. So you just go on doing the good work that God has called you to. Don't look back, just keep doing. That's God's commandment to us, just keep doing and let the glory go to God. Let's not look back and turn to see who is, who is happy, who is not happy, whatever. Leave that to God. Jesus calls us the light of the earth. Light that shines in the darkness will certainly be noticed by others, though we may not know the impact we make with our Christian faith. We are lighted to lighten the world. Through bouquets and brickbats, Jesus calls us to shine for him, to follow him no matter what. Let's shine on and keep our flames bright. Do join us next week.